Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with acclaimed jazz saxophonist Peter Epstein. We talk at length about his new 2023 CD, Two Legs Bad. It's his first album as a leader in nearly a decade and introduces a musical approach that builds on past work, but it forges very new directions. He has released eight albums as a leader and co-leader beginning during the decade he spent in New York in 92 to 2002, where he was an active member of the creative music scene. We cover some good ground here. Enjoy. Cool. Peter, great yeah. to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. Yeah, thank you. Nice to meet you, too. So where are you coming out of? Uh, I live in Reno, Nevada. Nice. Yeah. The biggest um, little city on the planet. Biggest little city. That's right. <laughs> so they say. <laughs> yeah, I was up there years ago. I went in my 20s with a bunch of friends because we knew that was going to be our last hurrah before life began. And we uh -huh. saw Lake Tahoe and went up in that area, and it was great. So... It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, I'm going to begin everything here with what we've all been living through, especially I think for the jazz community was particularly rough, which was COVID for the last three years. Now that we're entering the post pandemic era of our existence, how how did you get through it and how's everything going now? Well, <laughs> it's interesting because the album that, you know, that's just coming out is is uh, I suppose it's probably this way for a lot of people at this moment. Uh, I, you know, it was a rough time, right? For all of us. I mean, we did lockdown. Our kids were home from school. We were, you know, we were sort of in this, this pressure cooker of all of us, uh, being in the house 24 hours a day. But I have my little studio here. And, uh, while I didn't do a lot of playing, I mean, I did, you know, I managed to do some practicing and playing on the instrument, but I did a lot of composing and just did a lot of listening and, you know, that there were some positives to that, to that whole time too, if you were able to find them. And that's what I really tried to do and, uh, tried to, you know, focus on some stuff and slow down, take some time, uh, to, to retool things, rethink things a little bit. And, uh, you know, ended up writing a bunch of music and, uh, came out of it, you know, physically not the strongest, uh, and then kind of had to piece things back together. And, you know, just kind of being inactive and not playing with people. Uh, you know, we tried to play <laughs> over Zoom, which was, uh, you know, something that we had to try to do, but it was a little bit, uh, it wasn't, wasn't that satisfying, certainly wasn't the same. Um, so, you know, coming out of that, um, it was actually such a joy and such a relief to like come back together with people and play together that, uh, you know, that was kind of a positive too. You know, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder, et cetera. Right. And so, sure. yeah, yeah. And, uh, so now it's, it's felt like kind of a, a, a really creative and, and really, uh, newly focused kind of time since then. And I see that in, you know, the people that I play with and the people that I listen to. And, uh, so I think, you know, but I know it's, it's, it took a real toll professionally. Um, I'm, you know, I, I have a sort of dual career. I, I'm in higher education and have, I'm a, like a professor at a university. So I have this really strong kind of foundation in terms of that. I wasn't as dependent as just a freelance gigging musician. That's kind of hard to imagine weathering that storm with just that, you know, with just that uh, venue professionally. Um, and, you know, I know it's, it's hard. People are really piecing things back together in terms of 
touring and and making things work financially of course all that's you know in the it just i mean inflation is one thing but just everything is just it just seems so much more expensive to pull anything off you yeah. know or just financially uh the equation it's never been easy but it's it's harder now so yeah. Well, it has to feel good. Your first album in a decade, Two Legs Bad. Talk to me a little bit about this project and how how it feels to be back at it as, you know, the main name on on the album for the first time in such a long time. Yeah, it's uh it's it's been a a great project, a really really um uh satisfying sort of process. Um it uh it, where I teach at the University of Nevada Reno, um uh, one of my colleagues, Adam Benjamin, who plays in Kneebody, um, he's done tons of other stuff, but he's just yeah. a, a absolutely, you know, he's one of my favorite musicians on the planet and was before he came here. He's probably been here seven or eight years now. So we che- teach together on the jazz faculty and um, we play a lot. We've played a lot together in our sort of faculty ensemble, which is called the Manzanita Quintet. So that's like a regular rehearsing and gigging band. Um, but I, when I started conceiving of this new project, I knew that I wanted Adam to be involved. That was, you know, that was the, the absolute given. Um, and then I ended up, you know, sort of piecing things together by playing with other, you know, just other people that I was playing with a lot and gravitating towards them. And it, it ended up being the, the other four members of the band are all, uh, like former students or graduates of our program here in Reno. Um, you know, they're all younger, but just brilliant, brilliant musicians. And, uh, you know, I've learned they're, they're my former students, let's say, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'm their student as well. <laughs> I mean, they're very inspiring and just kind of brilliant, you know, so, um, I decided, uh, to, to what I've done in the past, like my, my previous album, Polarities, was also with old friends, but three friends that live in New York, you know, where I, where I was for a decade. And so I, I have, you know, strong connections to that community. But the reality of living in Reno and being across the country makes that challenging. So with this band, I really wanted to, to work with people who were right here. So we could, we could do a lot of gigs, like really work on the music, really get into the music and then record um, rather than sort of relying on the, you know, the, the always to me, always amazing process of, of really great musicians sort of uh, adopting music and getting inside of it in very short order, you know, with one or two rehearsals, maybe one gig go into the studio um, with those guys that's possible. But I, for this music, um, I kind of went through a different compositional process and just for myself, I really needed repeated exposure to it so I could edit and tweak a little bit as well as, as just kind of get inside the, you know, a band identity. Uh, and so, you know, that, that kind of all came out post pandemic, sort of put it together. Um, now the four, the, the four other members of the band are several of them, like one's in New York, one's in LA. So we're, we're kind of, you know, uh, distributed a little bit, but, um, uh, yeah, that's how it, you know, that's how, how that band formed basically. So what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Hmm. (laughs) Always a good question. Um, 
I hope the listener gets, uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, kind of a, uh, a sense of, of energy. And, um, I mean, you always want things to be well crafted. You know, you always want to be playing well and, and all of that. But I, I, to me, what, what's most important is, is the, 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 you know, the interaction and, and the sort of, um, communication that's happening within the music and feeling like, um, you know, each, each time that something gets played that, that, that it goes to a completely different place. And, uh, there's this sort of ineffable thing, you know, that happens with musicians who play really well together and, uh, a kind of, you know, freedom and, um, whatever that, you know, I don't really know. It's hard to articulate what I want the listener to experience from that, but I want it to be, but I want it to be something that has, has a kind of impact that somewhere between, you know, abstraction so that everybody's going to have their own interpretation. Um, and, you know, and something that's, that has enough familiarity that there's something to, to hold on to. And, and I think, you know, from the material on this album, uh, it, it goes to a kind of a several different places, at least for me, you know, compositionally. And some of it's a little more, um, I think, defined and specific in terms of form and things that are identifiable. And some of it's pretty, you know, pretty, pretty loose, pretty open, pretty free. Um, so I, I hope that, that, you know, that people are, are kind of, able to to take all of that in um underneath all of it is a you know kind of joy and and love for the music and love for my fellow musicians and and i hope that all of that all of that comes through so how did this journey begin for you how did you get into the music who were early jazz influences for you yeah i mean i i had a probably fairly typical, <laughs> typical, uh, 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 starting point. Um, you know, I really got into Charlie Parker. I mean, I'm a, I'm an alto saxophonist and I discovered Charlie Parker when I was, uh, probably in, I think in ninth grade is where things really started to, to take off. And, um, from there, I mean, I had the, I had the Smithsonian collection of jazz. So I listened to that you know, regularly and kind of found a bunch of, you know, I was like, Oh, Miles Davis. Oh, Sonny Rollins. And, you know, kind of found things that I, that I was really into. Um, also my, my father is a, is a musician. He's a saxophonist, Ed Epstein. And um, even though he was living in Europe, part, I guess because he moved to Europe, I ended up having his record collection and he had a whole bunch of Coltrane. And it took me a minute, <laughs> um, you know, but I first got into things like Blue Train and and things like that. So, you know, Charlie Parker, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, again, fairly standard kind of foundation, um, but the best kind of foundation. And um, from there, uh, I think eventually I kind of discovered Ornette and Ornette Coleman has been... I'd say a, a really sort of central, uh, conceptual, aesthetic and musical influence. Um, to me, the whole concept of, of like freedom and harmonics and what that means, uh, uh, 
kind of being uh accepting like radical acceptance of everything that's happening musically if you if you play with people that you trust and and love what they do kind of nothing can go wrong right just whatever is happening is what's supposed to be happening and i think that you know that ornette really epitomizes that and so um then i got into other people that i think were kind of proteges of him and took this harmelodic thing forward like uh uh ronald shannon jackson uh james blood almer jamal dean takuma people like that and then also you know eventually Pat Metheny and Charlie Hayden and albums like 8081 and Rejoicing, which uh, to me, Rejoicing is kind of the, that's like one of my favorite, favorite albums of all time. And not to compare in any way myself to them, uh, but this album, I think, has so, sort of similar mix. Um, some very like song-like pieces with singable melodies and, you know, hopefully, um, and some stuff again, that's defined in terms of form and harmonic structure. And then other stuff that's really open and free and kind of juxtaposing them and putting them right next to each other, uh, which for me makes sense. Um, and I guess it's, you know, a lot of it is, is from being so, so moved and so inspired by, by albums like that. 8081 and rejoicing are just two, you know, two two great examples of that uh and then some of the later ornettes are not later necessarily but but um more you know not the not the original quartet right or the trio um but like song x song x kind of rewired my brain uh when it came out and i've probably listened to that as many times as anything else that i've ever heard um uh henry threadgill bill frizzell frizzell became another really primary uh, object of my, my kind of fascination and devotion. I, I listen to every album that came out, I would get, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I don't know that I've kept up with everything in the last 10 or 20 years, but there was a time when I would just wait for every release. Um, I saw him, you know, a number of times in person. Um, I got to see the trio with Lovano and, and Paul mode motion and, you know, several times in New York and, uh, Sal Frizzell's quartet. And, you know, it's really a huge, huge influence. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw Bill. He was the last show I saw before the world shut down. It was March 3rd. He was in Kansas city. He played at the art gallery. He was with, uh, Petra Hayden and a trio. And when we walked in, my wife was like, what's this show going to be like? Cause she's, yeah. I've really baptized her in jazz and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like Petra... could... sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it could be anything. You know, I had yeah. no idea. Yes. But, yeah, but yeah. It, it was, it was pretty wondrous. It was like, we all were like cattle before the tornado came in. We all kind of knew something was in the air. First COVID case came out. We were all just kind of in this weird place and they did their thing. It was good. Yeah. March 3rd. That's 10 days before things actually. Sh I mean, for yeah. some, somehow that, that, and it was Friday the 13th. I'll never yep. forget that. I know. You know? I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I was born on a Friday the 13th, so I wasn't afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was good. I was married I was... on Friday the 13th, so I oh, wasn't well, afraid either. But, there you go. You know, turns out we should have been afraid that day. Yeah. A yeah. couple of guys baptized by fire. Um, so what is it that you like the best about being a professional musician? 
Um, well, I get to keep playing, you know, I get to keep engaging with music, which is since a very early age, you know, long before I started playing music or even thinking about playing music, although, you know, as, as, as somebody who has a, a parent who was a professional music musician, I guess that was kind of always in my, my consciousness a little bit. Um, but as a very young child, I would, you know, spend hours listening to Beatles and Stevie Wonder and Paul Simon and uh, just kind of found these records that somehow either found or somebody showed me. And uh, I would just, you know, listen over and over and over and be, you know, just really deeply sort of transported by by what I liked and what I was what I was encountering. Same with the radio. You know, I didn't necessarily know who I was hearing, but there were songs that would come on uh, that meant a lot more than the other songs that that had that had been playing. And and uh, so then once I started playing uh, and I got pretty serious, fairly young, you know, I I I hit a really uh, intensive practice regime when I was uh, freshman, sophomore, junior in high school spent, you know, many, many hours a day and um, kind of made a big leap up in terms of at least facility, not necessarily, you know, knowledge or, or aesthetic. I mean, that, that, that takes a long time. Right. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just, I feel really fortunate, even though I've, I've had a fairly atypical path, I think for somebody who's been playing all this time, you know, again, uh, as a, I have a, you know, I have a teaching job, which is obviously related to music. I mean, I'm a jazz saxophone teacher and, and help run a jazz program. Um, but that's, you know, that that's related, but different again, than just being a freelance musician. Um, I was in New York from 92 to 2002. So I was there for a decade and was, you know, on the scene and, and playing a lot and recording a lot and, and touring a lot. And, you know, life is funny. I mean, after 9-11, I, just like everyone, you know, things were, um, the calendar was completely wiped clean. And, uh, you know, I had sort of, in those 10 years, I sort of dug enough of a financial hole that at that moment, it was really difficult to, you know, to keep things going. And um, I relocated to the, I just kind of packed everything up and came home to the West Coast. I'm originally from Oregon and um, thought it would just be temporary and just through a really, you know, you never know, right? And ended up down here in Reno. They needed somebody temporarily. I've been here for, you know, for, for 21 years now. And, uh, uh, so, uh, but I mean, I, I, I still get to occasionally play with, with the people that I was, you know, that I was playing with there. In fact, on Saturday night, a couple of nights from now, I'm playing with Ralph Alessi and Mark Ferber, who were kind of coming through town at the end of one of Ralph's tours. So Adam Benjamin and then a great bass player, Zach Turan, who's on my album, um, we're going to do a gig together. So it's still, you know, I, I still get to participate in that world a tiny bit. Um, but you know, I've, I've made some other, some other deep relationships musically around me, you know, where I am now. So, you know, I, I think that the main thing is just, um, uh, feeling really fortunate that I 
get to continue on some level in whatever way, whatever sort of unique personal way uh, it, 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 in terms of a career, but that I get to, you know, I get to keep doing this thing. That's always been sort of magical to me since I was a, since I was a kid, I still don't feel like I understand anything, you know, okay. it's just, I'm just in awe of, the simplest little musical reality, you know? Um, and when I hear people play, well, I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just mesmerized. Excellent. Um, yeah. So if anyone wants to pick up the new album, see you live, where's the best place to go? Uh, well, the album will be, I think pretty well distributed, you know, in both physically and, and digitally, um, so I think that, you know, all the usual sort of outlets, I, you know, I don't include CD stores anymore. I mean, in my mind, I'm still thinking tower records and you know, places like that, which I used to love to go to tower records. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like blockbuster, right? It doesn't, you know, that, that reality doesn't really exist, but yeah. Amazon, I suppose, or, you know, those are the, the other retail outlets, um, in terms of where to hear, you know, hear the band, um, I'm, working on you know early sort of uh baby steps towards trying to put together a tour um on the west coast but you know nothing is nothing is solid right now so i can't really name any venues or um but i hope people will will look out for it and uh you know we'll be doing whatever kind of social media blast we can do to get the word out once it once it's happening um but you know here in reno um, play a lot at a, a place called Laughing Planet, which is this wonderful uh, restaurant and uh, um, venue that has just been super, super supportive and is a really, really cool place to play and kind of workshop things. Um, it's right next to campus, and they've been really, really supportive of our program and our students. Um, we've had a weekly jazz night there for probably going on seven or eight years now. Um, and a lot of our students play there on, on the weekends and, you know, whenever I want to do a gig, put something together, you know, they're always really open to that. So, right on. um, yeah. Cool, man. Peter, this has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for giving us your time today and best of luck with the album. Thanks so much. It's really been a pleasure talking with you, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Reno, Nevada, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Peter for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.